Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. I'm Derek. And this is Tank. This week, we're talking about keeping technology in its proper place. So grab your USBs and ESVs, and let's get started. So this particular topic is inspired by a recent article on the Gospel Coalition by Andy Crouch, which, as I understand it, is a, an excerpt from his recent book called The TechWise Family. And he talks about, it came out earlier this year, and he talks about how we all ought to keep technology in its proper place in 2018. So by way of introduction, let me just read a little bit from this article. The pace of technological change has surpassed anyone's capacity to develop enough wisdom to handle it. We're stuffing our lives with technology's new promises with no clear sense of whether technology will will help us keep the promises we've already made. The proper place for technology won't be exactly the same for every family, and it isn't the same at every season of our lives. Figuring out the proper place of technology in our particular family and stage of life requires discernment rather than a simple formula. But almost anything is better than letting technology overwhelm us with its default settings, taking over our lives and stunting our growth in the ways that really matter. And so then Crouch provides six propositions that are consistent for every stage of life uh, by way of keeping technology in its proper place. So I just want to go through these six, hear you guys' hot takes on them, have a little bit of discussion, and uh, we'll just see where we end up. How does that sound? Sounds good. Oh, I've got hot takes. Hot takes for days. I can always trust you to have a hot take, Derek. If there's one thing I think about Derek, it's that he's always got plenty of hot takes. That That's my middle name, Derek Hot Take Mast. That is, uh, <laughs> that is, that is me. I mostly just have hot cakes. Uh, hot cakes are good. <laughs> they are, they are I haven't had breakfast yet, you guys. This is not helping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, rule number one, technology is in its proper place when it helps us bond with the real people we have been given to love. It's out of its proper place when we end up bonding with people at a distance, like celebrities, whom we'll never meet. I agree with the first part and disagree with the second part instantly. Sorry about that. <laughs> Me too. Craig, king of pushback, has been quick to weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about stereotypes on this episode. <laughs> so I am to believe that uh, I have not been given you guys to love. This is very, very disappointing and, and discouraging to my Oh, wow. My that is a decisive point. No, no, Derek, we are real people, but celebrities aren't. Isn't that what it's saying? <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> I do get its point. Yeah, I, I get its point too. And I think I agree with the first part about it. Um, we There are real people. people I, I guess real people is a silly phrase maybe, but I guess there's people that we come into contact with um, frequently or that we have easy access to or, um, you know, in terms of actually getting to know them on a deep level. Um, and so those people, if technology helps us connect with those people, and I would count you guys in that circle, like I get to speak to you every single week, pretty much. Um, and so that that is a good use of it. The idea that it's out of proper place, I guess the issue I have, and I don't want to be the king of pushback necessarily, but the issue I'd have with the second half is that um, I actually think there's benefit to, I have, I have a bit of an issue with celebrity culture. I think mostly it's a farce um, and there's a lot of things about it that are just quite ridiculous. But I kind of like the fact that celebrities have um, 
been willing to, and I guess maybe they've had to, uh, you know, open themselves up a little bit to the rest of the general population on things like Twitter. Um, so, someone who you've sort of watched from a distance, you can now interact with on Twitter. It doesn't mean you get to know them necessarily on a deep level. Um, and that that's probably true. You may never meet them and, and get to that stage of interaction. But um, maybe being able to chat to them and, and, you know, inject a comment here or there and then have them respond kind of brings them into the real world a little bit more and lowers that that bar of like, you know, idolization that some people have with celebrity culture maybe. Uh, I don't know, but I think maybe that's a possibility and so I wouldn't necessarily say it's a it's out of place to interact with people, with celebrities using technology. The uh what's what's interesting about this is that I do this I actually do this a lot. Um exactly what he's talking about not to do, but I don't think I do it <laughs> in the way that he thinks I do it. Uh, yeah. So what I think he's talking about here is, you know, like being obsessed with with Twitter and like and being obsessed with the with the personalities that people put on um, uh, in in like short formats, like non comprehensive formats like that, um, which is kind of like what people can do with like authors or whatever. If you're if you're thinking back to an older technology Um where people can have like phantoms, but, but anyway, but a, a unique media format for me has been the podcast. Um, and the way that you can get to know people on podcasts, depending on the kinds of podcasts you listen to, if it's like the two people talking, you know, form of podcasting, I feel like I get to know people pretty well through there. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like a celebrity uh, relationship. Yeah, I'm just going to totally disagree with you there. Yeah, go go because ahead. Because it's total. It's totally one way. Like oh, it's as much absolutely as people, one way. It's a as very... much as people might feel like they know us, we don't know them at all. It's or like a... as much as I might think James White is my is my best friend, he actually doesn't know who I am and right. never will. Hey, right. you met him once. I did meet him once, but he <laughs> so still doesn't I, know who I'm I am. I'm sure he doesn't remember me either. Yeah. It, well, it's a very, very strange one-sided relationship, except like, and, <laughs> and we have, like, we have the celebrity, like, we've always had people have the, like, the one-sided celebrity relationships where people spend a ton of time just obsessing over their celebrities. I don't obsess over any of the podcasts that I listen to, but I still know them very well. It's, it's, it's very weird. Um, I what know, never call us celebrities. That? They don't know you. <laughs> No, I know, but it's it's like I don't know. Maybe it's more of like a, a TV show sort of thing where it's actually real life. I don't know. Anyway, but we can't. We have an opportunity to get to know people because of Slack, which is another technology right. that's been yes. beneficial in building yeah. a community. Whereas in, that's what I'm saying. I guess in the in the old days of like when the only technology that we interacted with celebrities through was TV, we had no way of interacting with those people right. on a, on any kind of conversational level. At least now that exists. So if celebrities are open to it, you can open up a dialogue with them. Yeah. Um, and it might not be the deepest thing in the world, but at least there's some kind of two-way interaction happening. Oh, and, and to be, and to be clear, like I'm not saying that this new podcast, um, relationship thing is a good thing. I was just musing on the fact that it does exist with our technology and it's something that I do. 
Yeah, I guess I guess I just regularly have to remind myself that I don't actually know that person right. when I <laughs> right. do happen to see them in public. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Point. It's it's kind of like the in the olden days when Facebook first came out and you were like you had to pretend that you hadn't learned the thing that you already knew yes. because you knew it from Facebook and not actually from them telling you. Mm-hmm. Man, that was weird. That was a weird dynamic. It's like if I ever meet Jason Snell, like I could uh, talk to him about the last, you know, three or four years of his life, uh, which is, it seems extremely creepy, except that he volunteer he volunteers that information on his various podcasts that he does. And Imagine when you eventually uh, meet Elon Musk, Derek, you'll be, you'll be like, yeah, I've been stalking you for X amount of years. I've got <laughs> yeah. a podcast dedicated to you. He won't be able uh, to but tell I'm not you creepy at all. you don't already know. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make for a really difficult conversation. <laughs> Anywho, rule number two, technology is in its proper place when it starts great conversations. It's out of its proper place when it prevents us from talking with and listening to one another. Ooh, that doesn't seem applicable at all right now in the Reformed community. <laughs> that was a joke? That was a joke. Yeah, that was sarcastic. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> that was it's very, very sarcastic. Sometimes we need that Big Bang Theory filter of, like, you actually have to say sarcasm after your statement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, My particular flavor of humor is deadpan, and so I just actually never know when anyone's joking, or even me. Sometimes I, I surprise myself. You'd go well in Australia. Oh, wait, that one was a joke. Like right after I said something. But I think this one's good. I, I, I tend to agree with this one. And yes, I think this is relevant to our community, our online community at this point in time. Some of the discussions that I think we're having right now, I think could be sorted out in an actual conversation between the people who are wanting to have the conversation, like who are wanting to sort of... Um, pit their views against one another kind of thing. But instead, we'd do this thing where we stay disconnected and from a distance and kind of throw our stone over the fence and see what comes back again the other way. Um, and so, yeah, I just think, you know, if, if we can use technology, you know, benefit from the fact that it is a conversation starter, a way to to connect people um, and have proper conversations rather than sort of 140-character ones or whatever, um, that's a good thing. Yeah, and to be clear about what I'm talking about, um, I oh, I know it wasn't what you were talking about. No, no, you were you were talking exactly <laughs> about what I was talking about. But I think what I think what the author was going for here was the hey, people are on their phones, uh, you know, yeah, true, yeah. doing things instead of talking to the people around them that are immediately around them. Yes, which, you know, is is fine. But there's also this dynamic where the technology the technology that we choose to use, like. Twitter or even podcasts or, you know, whatever we decide, whatever we decide to communicate with online um, can often, is often not geared for talking with people, but talking at people and just talking out into the ether. And then people get angry at the lack of context or whatever. Um, so that's something to consider too. The biggest problem I think with technology, with communication via current technology is time delay as in like you know the, the issue with things like twitter and facebook is you write something and then it might be a day before someone gets back to you um this sounds really minor but when you're having a conversation uh where someone has a disagreement with something you've said or something like that it's so much easier to clear it up in real time those conversations are much better either face to face or something like skype like we're doing now at least enables us to have real time follow up and I think that's missing in a lot of online conversations and that's where people talk past each other because they kind of pick up on one third of what someone said and ignore the rest and then it never gets back to, you know, the conversation isn't kind of followed like a natural conversation thread would be followed. Um, but 
Yeah, that's, it, I guess that's just one of the downsides. And and online conversations, text text tends to dehumanize us too. Um, when you're not yeah, talking yeah. with someone, it's harder to have a difficult conversation uh, it, because you're not able to see the person as a person. It's easier to other them, you know. Um, At this point, when I use Twitter, I regularly read tweets, and I just imagine someone standing in a room that's in a long hallway. Everybody has their own room, and they're in it by themselves, and they're just yelling whatever it is they're saying, and no one's around (laughs) to actually hear them. Oh, I need to to now read through my Twitter timeline like this. I totally do this. (laughs) Whenever I read this one, I looked at it from a different viewpoint, maybe because I don't use Twitter much, Um, but I was thinking of like in-person... Uh, communication. So whenever you're sitting on your couch and wife or kids or husband, if you're female, um, obviously, anyway, if your wife, (laughs) if your wife or kids or husband um, or friend is in the same room and you're on your phone or uh, using technology in a way that's, uh, yeah, that's not really paying attention, not really listening. uh, Even if they're talking, sometimes I do that for sure. Um, and just thinking that yeah, it's true that, uh, a good, a good conversationalist, I think when they, when they listen to podcasts or read the news articles, um, then they're thinking like, oh, this is interesting information. How can I use this to have good, deep conversations that draw me close to somebody instead of in those times of having good, deep conversations, we're still looking at more information, taking the time, taking it in. It's like, um. <clears throat> we've put the material for deepening conversations ahead of actually deepening conversations. I'm going to take a little break here to talk about our sponsor this week, which is Missionalware, your Reformed Theology gift shop, as always. Missionalware prints apparel, drinkware, and accessories with beautiful artwork of historical creeds, quotes, and faces of various reformers available for printing uh, across a ton of items, including clothing, uh, moleskin journals, drinkware, posters, uh, decals, a ton of stuff is on there. Missionalware has been making things since 2010, and they've grown an impressive library of designs and items that will appeal to any theologian, and their materials are top-notch. So to grab some apparel, drinkware, or accessories for yourself, or even just to browse their gorgeous designs, check them out at missionalware.com to get your lifestyle on mission to the glory of God. Thanks to Missionalware for sponsoring the show this week. Number three, technology is in its proper place when it helps us take care of the fragile bodies we inhabit. It's out of its proper place when it promises to help us escape the limits and vulnerabilities of those bodies altogether. Is this many things Iron Man is bad? (laughs) (laughs) Or VR? (laughs) Any of those kind of... Yeah, I was trying to figure out what he's actually referring to with this this rule. I guess guess VR could be one. Like if all you ever do is run on a VR treadmill and not actually run, just walk fast. Yeah. I don't think it's a blanket ban on virtual reality. I imagined it more as like um, my desire for omniscience or my desire for omnipresence. Like I want to be everywhere all the time so I never miss out on anything. And I can mm-hmm. do that if I use Twitter. But I really can't. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Instead, I should appreciate the God-given boundaries and limitations uh, that I have as a result of being one of God's creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good clarification. Um, there was, there's actually a news story recently that is a 
really on the nose for this one where there's uh, there's some startup that's trying to get money to um, to store people's brains. I mean, like store people, like digitize people's minds um, with a hundred percent lethality rate. Like, so you would basically die, store your brain. And then whenever, whenever we can figure out how to basically computerize you, you would then live on in a computer. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit, uh, there, there's something insert pop culture reference here. Um, but yeah, that, that's what, that's what that made me think of right off the bat. Now I'm thinking of live, die, repeat. Oh yeah. <laughs> or edge of tomorrow. See, the problem is I don't saw that movie. <laughs> I don't know enough pop culture, pop culture to make those kinds of references, <laughs> but I'm just going to assume that you were, that you knew what you were doing when making those. And my problem is I know too much pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, number four, technology is in its proper place when it helps us acquire skill and mastery of domains that are the glory of human culture, such as sports, music, the arts, cooking, writing, accounting, and the list could go on and on. When we let technology replace the development of skill with passive consumption, something has gone wrong. Since when did accounting become the glory of human culture? <laughs> <laughs> I say that as the son of a former accountant. It's a very helpful profession, but I just don't know that I'd elevate it to that status. Now, listen, Craig, I have a few good friends who are accountants, and they tell me that it's great. My dad is a retired accountant. That's what I'm saying. I get it. It's a a great profession, but the glory of human culture? Really? I don't don't see... Okay, so I can kind of get where he's going with this one on a personal level. When we're talking mm-hmm. about the world at large, I don't sa- see how this could possibly work ever. Um, what? What do you mean? So, so when you're when you're talking about the human race at large, there's never. I I, I don't think there's going to be a point where um, technology stops helping us acquire skill and mastery of, of certain domains, passing the whole passive consumption thing. Um, no, no. Yeah. He's talking about on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. What so, all we do is use it to consume, you know, mm-hmm. turn on the information feed so I can veg out or whatever. Then right. that's bad. But if we're actually learning and growing as human beings who are, you know, filling and subduing the earth, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I use it to, um, I use it to learn uh, Japanese without uh, without my smartphone. There'd be no way that I could uh, have ever had a chance at Japanese. There's so much uh, phones are so much more powerful than textbooks. I feel bad for anybody had to, who had to learn a language outside of it being a child using mm-hmm. just textbooks. Um, mm. But yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> at the same time, if if you read it, I'm trying to understand yeah how to read it because if you think just passive consumption, one could say that. Google would be a passive consumption to replace all your skills. Um, Just like, oh, I don't have the skill of archaeology, so I'm going to Google what year was, what year did this take place, you know? And so I'm not sure if that falls into passive or not. Uh, And uh, clearly, we should just stop using our phones for calculators and do all the math ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys even trying to understand this poor author? Okay, okay, I'm going to take a stab. I'm going to take a stab. I think... I think the, the well, I think I generally agree with this statement. Um, maybe his list could have been better formed, but the, yeah, there was nothing about software development. Well, yeah, yeah well. <laughs> um, 
I guess, so it's the second sentence that we seem to be sort of looping back to, or at least I am in my head trying to work out what I think about that one. When we let technology replace the development of skill with passive consumption, something's gone wrong. So there's certain there's certain skills, for example, from the ones that he's listed that I would say I'm actively interested in developing myself and maybe have some natural skills in or whatever, natural interest in. Um, so music and writing, um, to a degree, the arts and to a degree, sports, but they're not all sort of equal. Um, cooking, uh, well, I like eating, but I've never had a passion for cooking. <laughs> I, I appreciate people who cook well, and I think it is a great cultural feature of humanity. We don't just like kill something and eat it straight away. We do something with it to make it taste better, usually. Um, although a lot of Japanese cuisine seems to go the other way uh, with raw fish and stuff, but that seems to be a normal rule. So I guess, but I still enjoy with my wife in the evening, sometimes watching MasterChef or I don't know if you guys have those shows, like, but you know, competitive cooking shows where it's about coming up with the most inventive dish or, or the, you know, trying to replicate a really, really fancy dish from a, a famous chef or something like that. I can appreciate the level of skill that goes into it, into that. And I can learn some things about cooking from doing that but I'm not using that to myself become a world-class chef. Like that's not my, that's not my goal. And that's not what I feel like I'm called to. Um, I could be using it to take notes on like these, these reality TV shows and try and work out every single technique they use and how to replicate it myself in the kitchen. I'm just not doing that. I'm not interested in that. Does that mean it's a bad thing for me to watch and enjoy those shows with my wife who does more cooking and enjoys more cooking cooking than I do. So she also enjoys watching these. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I just, I think with all these things, like, I guess there has to be nuance. And so I would say that, um, yes, if we are, if we are completely not interested in bettering ourselves in any way, if we're not trying to develop any of our skill sets and we are just being couch potatoes and watching other people do interesting things with their lives, that's a problem. But if you are, if you have some interests, if you are trying to um, work on certain things, get better at certain things, you know, God's created us to work. He's created us to be, to have talents and to be able to use the gifts that we've been given. If you are engaging with certain areas and then appreciating other areas through technology, um, without being heavily, heavily invested in them, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So, that, I guess that's the replacement thing. I think if, if it's a wholesale replacement, yeah, that's bad. But if I'm replacing my lack of, sco- of cooking skill with enjoying watching other people cook and eating the food that they cook that I can eat, then I don't think that's a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? So, I think it's just it's about how you read that replacement. To me, it's whether that's like on a full-on replacement because someone's just lazy or whether someone's dedicating dedicating themselves more to certain areas and other areas and um, that kind of thing. Number five, technology is in its proper place when it helps us cultivate awe for the created world we're a part of and responsible for stewarding. It's out of its proper place when it keeps us from engaging the wild and wonderful natural world with all our senses. I feel like I need a Bible verse for this one. Is that because we... We told people to grab their ESVs, so we need to use them. Yeah, <laughs> we just got we got to cram it in here before the end of the episode. Uh, no, I. Whenever, whenever I hear people talk about like screen time being a bad thing, usually one of the first things people mention is the fact that they had to run around. They ran around outside as kids uh, with sticks and and were great, and that was a fun time. And, and like people glorify the natural world to an extent where it, it seems strange. Um, why Adam didn't have no iPhone. 
Well, yeah, I know. No, that's fine. <laughs> but people like romanticize the the outdoors uh, to a certain extent when it, it, it doesn't like there, there's not necessarily something that gives us that reason to romanticize the outdoors aside from it. I mean, it is God's creation. It is beautiful. Um, uh, but is that, is that something we ought to be binding men's consciences over? I think we kind of can maybe, but that might need some explanation. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not in the business of binding anybody's conscience. So I'm leaving right. no, to you, Craig. <laughs> no, I, I don't think, I guess binding consciences is not the right way that I would, there's not the way that I would phrase it. But, right. Um, you know I, I mean? We'll like, call it something different, but we'll do exactly the same thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shame on you for not doing this thing that Craig's about to say, <laughs> listener. Uh, Repent, you no. pagan. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to recover. I don't want to, I don't want to bind anyone's conscience. Um, I, I, I would be interested in hearing hearing the other side to this. Um, so I'm not sure any of us have that other side at the moment. You know, I, I agree with what you said, Derek, about like people sort of the way that people critique this from a, like, it's better to be outside playing with sticks and nature play than inside playing video games and that kind of thing. Like there, there's that mindset and that, yeah, that, that sometimes is an imbalanced critique. So I, I kind of, I would agree on that point. Um, I guess the way that I read this or the way that I started to think about it was more along the lines of uh, he's talking about cultivating awe um, and I feel like, you know, Romans 1 talks about how there was a, a, a huge problem, like a huge sin problem occurs when we worship created things rather than the creator. Um, but I think that I think that kind of points to the fact that the inverse of that situation is actually a good thing. So, cre- uh, created things pointing us to the creator is a very good thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's why God created a, an amazing world with so many things for us to look at. Um, so, <clears throat> there's, uh, yeah, like, you know, Paul Tripp has a book called Awe, Why It Matters for Everything We Think, Say, and Do. Um, he says in there, I came to see that I was wired for awe, that awe of something sits at the bottom of everything I say and do, but I wasn't just wired for awe. I was wired for awe of God. No other awe satisfies the soul. No other awe can give my heart the peace, rest, and security that it seeks. I came to see that I needed to trace awe of God down to the most mundane, mundane of human decisions and activities. That's a long. That's in a book alongside when he's saying, you know, there's amazing um, termite mounds in Africa and, you know, the crunchiness of an apple mixed with the, the intense taste. And, like, so he's talking about these natural things and he's saying these natural things are all amazing in their own way, but they, their function is to point us to awe of God. Um, and so in that way, I think I, I agree with the statement that if, you know, technology that helps us, um, that helps cultivate awe for the created world so that it points us to the creator God who made that world, that's a good thing. Um, and if we are just shutting ourselves off from his created world, then we're shutting ourselves also off from ways that we can be pointed to his glory. Does that make sense? That's kind of where I'm heading with that. And so I think we do have a responsibility as Christians to glorify God because of um, the created world, because of the things he's blessed us with and the world that he's put us in. Um, So I think if that's what he's getting at, then I agree with that point of his. 
Everyone has that responsibility, whether they're a Christian or not. The problem with all of us is that we've fallen short (laughs) of that responsibility. And therefore, God had to send his son, Jesus, to fulfill that responsibility in our place and die for all the times when we didn't. Back on the point of the article, though, I don't think that he's (laughs) saying, if you can go outside instead of watching TV, then you shouldn't watch TV. I think instead what he's saying is, if you always watch TV instead of going outside, we probably have a problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how Derek could disagree with that, but I'm interested to hear if he does. <laughs> um, well, with with I mean, with anything, you can you can do something too much if it's if it's dulling if it's meant to be dulling your senses, dulling your your uh, um, your uh, your relationship with God. That's that's not a good thing, right? Like I, I think what he's trying to say is that we need to be able to cultivate that awe for the Creator. Um, to have that offer God, that that's, that's a good thing that we should be doing. Um, I don't think we can only get that outside. I think that... Um, I don't think he's saying that we can. Right. That's, that well, was my there was point. a parenthetical yeah, yeah, yeah. statement that Ben didn't read about watching planet Earth with his kids. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number six, technology is in its proper place only when we use it with intention and care. If there's one thing I've discovered about technology, it's that it doesn't stay in its proper place on its own. Much like my children's toys and stuffed creatures uh, and minor treasures, it finds its way underfoot all over the house and all over our lives. If we aren't intentional and careful, we'll end up with quite an extraordinary mess. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think one good way to uh, look at one good way to look at technology in like just a one-point list. Um, it's of course it's good to dig into it a little bit, but a, a one point list would be just looking at, you know, why are we here? Uh, why are people here? We're here to glorify God, and then what are Christians doing still on Earth? Um, it's to fulfill the mission of the Great Commission, um, make disciples, going, baptizing, teaching, um, and so we can we can look at this when he says using it with intention and care is really the question, uh, whatever we're doing, whether we're staying inside or outside or whether we're using, uh, gaining skills or using technology, passive technology passively. We can just ask that question. Is this, is this helping me glorify God? And is this helping me, um, fulfill the mission of making disciples? And if it's not, and of course, rest is involved in glorifying God and making disciples. So we can't cut out all of that, but that of course is only one piece of it. Rest too much sloth, which is what we talked about last week. Sloth and boredom, I guess. Anyway. Um, yeah, you can look at technology and say, if it's not, if it's not taking part in the reason why I'm here in the mission that God has given me, um, then yeah, are we, the, the answer is probably no, we're not using it with intention and care. We're not using it the way that, um, the way that it's intended to be used. It's not in its proper place. And so, yeah, I would agree with this one. Yeah. Uh, I also agree. This is it. He, he puts it very, very well. Um, yeah, I, I really like the sentence. If there's one thing I've discovered about technology, it's that it doesn't stay in its proper place on its own. Um, it's just a, it's just a nice way to, (laughs) to talk about that. Ben is slowly wagging his finger at me. (laughs) Tech neutrality. Not going to bring it up. Oh, Craig did it. (laughs) Craig did it this time. Sorry. Tech, tech. No, I can't even say it. 
It's a nice colloquial way to put it. Does that does that satisfy your very silent face there, Ben? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> uh, I feel like I, I need you to respond in some I refuse way. to engage, Derek! <laughs> <laughs> You dirty dog, you baited me into this. <laughs> oh, your mic is so bad right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start anything. I promise. No, it's all right. Andy Crouch started it. He did. He did. No, I mean, what is what are your thoughts, Ben? I'm just, I'm curious. Oh yeah, I think it's great. I think this is this sixth point is the entire point of our podcast. Like, if you want one practical thing you can do to put the technology in its proper place, and by that, in this case, I mean using it with an int- intention and care, then listen to this podcast and keep listening and think about these things deeply because, yeah, it, it's just going to require thought to use it with intention and care. And I think what Tank said is absolutely right. Like. It, the technology is not an end in itself. It's a means to the end of glorifying God, enjoying Him, making disciples, filling and subduing the earth, doing everything He's called us to do and put us here to do. And and every single that's true for every single technology. Like when you think about it, every single technology that exists, I think, is designed to have intention and care in some way built into the way that we interact with it. You don't use a blender with no intention and care. That'll end badly. You don't get in a car and drive with no intention and care. You know. Have I mean? you like, seen Will It Blend on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're still they're still testing will like a hypothesis. Will this blend? <laughs> like they're still trying to answer a question. There's intention yep. there. Care? I'm not so sure. Um, <laughs> some of those fumes must be pretty toxic. But you hey, know they what I mean. Safety like, glasses. Think, you know, yeah. there's some level of care. Ooh, don't breathe this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched that for ages. Um, but yeah, I think everything that's that's right, and I think everything that we everything that we interact with is kind of um, has been created to uh, make life easier or to even uh, make recreation more fun or something like that. I still I, I think it all warrants a level of um, intention and care. Otherwise, yeah, we'll either end up as sloths or people who are just doing bad things with things that we could be using for good purposes. So. I think the way he concludes the article is fitting as well. He says, if we don't learn to put technology in all its forms in its proper place, we'll miss out on many of the best parts of life in a family. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by jumping in our Slack. Sign up at slack.techreformation.com. You can also talk to us on Twitter if that is your preferred medium of communication. Uh, You can tweet at us at techreformation. Visit our website, techreformation.com, for past shows and topics. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. So, so wait, wait, Ben. If it, let me let me get this straight. All right, we're what we're doing is we're adapting an excerpt, adapting excerpts of an adapted ex. ex I think this joke would be funnier if you weren't tripping all over your words. <laughs> <laughs>
yes, it it would be. Continue. <laughs> <laughs>